Welcome to A Week is a Long Time in Politics, topical political talk for A-level politics students. Tune in and join in the debate. Hello there, and welcome to the um, our live stream this evening, and it's lovely to see uh, quite a few of you joining us live this evening, and if you are joining us live, please do join in the discussion in the chat window, the live chat window. We'll keep an eye on what you're saying and try and bring in some of your points. Um, and obviously, many more of you will join us uh, on uh, Catch Up or listen to us on the podcast. So um, if you're there, obviously you can't join in the chat, but it would be uh, great. You're very welcome to. Okay, I'm joined this evening by the by the dream team. We've got uh, Clive and Kira. Hi, both. How, how are you doing? Hey. Yeah, good. Both. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. Um, looking forward to having a chat. It's been a while. Yeah. We've not, not done this since before Christmas, have we? Yeah. So there's quite a lot for us to um, potentially draw from, because obviously we've not done this for a while. Um, I've got some headlines um, stored away in my uh, in, in, in my uh, headline bank for us to uh, discuss. So you don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming. Um, I've just noticed on my in my uh, bank I've still got um, Hancock's Half Hour, which I'm assuming is from a previous... <laughs> Previous time, uh, when we were it talking about now, I'm a celebrity, yeah, it was, yeah, it's been and gone. Um, <laughs> but shall we have a look at what our first story, um, which we're going to discuss this evening is? And as I say, if people want to join in, we'd love to hear from you. So, the winter of discontent now yeah. is the winter of our discontent. Um, now we're not talking about 1978 79, although Clive might. Tell us, I'm not sorry. That wasn't meant to be an ageist comment. There, <laughs> Clive might tell us a little about it in a in a fond moment. Memories, fond memories. Fond memories. We are, of course, talking about this this winter, um, where there is a significant amount of um, strike action. Um, you know, more so than I can remember for quite a long time. Who wants to kick us off on this, Kira? Do you want to just start us off on on this? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so this is quite interesting because we're seeing strikes of a caliber i that i can't even remember in my my living memory um for example teachers are going on strike for the first time since 2016 and it's seven days of action which is like, quite substantial especially when we consider in the uk uh when people go on strike they don't get paid for the day so it's quite a, a big sacrifice that these uh workers are making so nurses being on strike for the first time in a generation um, ambulance workers, mm -hmm. physiotherapists, trains, everything. So it just seems like we're just constantly every week there's some um, mm -hmm. sort of strike going on and effectively the unions are reaching out for communication uh, with the government and the government kind of isn't meeting them or mm -hmm. isn't being very cooperative. So it's been quite interesting to see this. So people are arguing that they need... Um, pay to reflect more in line with inflation uh, for teachers it's specifically about workload as well so it's interesting um and yeah. it feels chaotic <laughs> it does doesn't it i mean just in i mean a few few points to pick up there obviously we can link this to pressure groups and the uh impact of insider groups or um you know and how sorry not insider groups um i was thinking uh interest groups sorry and sectional groups yeah and and how much uh, impact they can have um 
on the government, and we can discuss that a little bit. But one thought I was having was about the public opinion. Because um, obviously, these strikes can be very disruptive, um, you know, to people's everyday life, you know, people trying to get around, you know, if will be in, you know, very, very much impacted by rail strikes. Um, you know, there's a lot of the sort of right wing newspapers, particularly making a lot of you know, the risks involved of a nurse's strike or, you know, potentially a junior doctor strike down the line or the ambulance driver's strike. Um, people pointing out, of course, a lot of education was lost during the pandemic and therefore, you know, uh, seven days of teacher strikes is e even more disruption for children. There's, there's a lot of potential for there to be quite a bit of public backlash against the unions and clearly the government is kind of playing on that um idea to what extent do you think there is or you know do you think there is or how much support do you think there is for the unions obviously everyone the cost of living crisis impacts everybody mm. um so do you think people are, are i mean obviously there's a range of views but do you think people are generally quite sympathetic or do you think that they're you know what, what sort of impact is there i think i think currently there's still quite a lot of public sympathy and public empathy because mm -hmm. to a certain extent they they can be one and the same I mean, mm -hmm. teachers and nurses and ambulance people are still they are the public. <laughs> they are they are the public. Um, yeah. One of the strange things, isn't it, that Mick Lynch of the RMT has come out really well, and mm -hmm. back in the seventies and eighties, all union leaders were portrayed by the media as being left wing, communist, whatever. I think the, the, way Mick the media Lynch, still yeah the media still doing the same, isn't it? So, um, well, they're trying to, but Mick Lynch. Yeah. Is, has conducted himself so well, I mm. suspect. And um, sometimes there was something I watched last week when there were three of the transport unions in at the select committee, mm. and yeah, a, question, that, yeah. a question was asked: "Are you in the in the pay of the Labour Party?" And they just fell about laughing mm. because this <laughs> idea that the that the, the and as Sunak often says, you know, Labour are the paymaster of union barons, etc., etc., or the recipients, and mm. although Starmer drives a lot of us nuts at Prime Minister's question time because he doesn't res respond and, and change his, his, his theory at all, then I think that Labour are doing a, a particularly reasonable attempt at keeping themselves distance from from actually overly supporting unions, which is very different from the 78-79 winter mm. of discontent. Mm. Well, I mean, I'll, can I just pick That's up on that one? Because obviously yeah. this, in the 78-79... Yeah, a few. I mean, a few things really there, but the seventy-eight, seventy-nine, one. Of course, the government was the Labour government, and so the That's right. you know the yeah. public sector workers were striking against the Labour the Labour government, and yet yeah. the public um, reaction to it was very much blaming the Labour Party as well as the unions, mm -hmm. but not so much blaming the Labour Party for not paying the people enough, or whatever, but not not meeting and negotiating, but for you know that association between Labour and the unions, and they so they associated them with with the strikes, even though they were the the party in power at the time. And so I think there is an interesting thing about if there is a backlash against these strikes, and I agree with you. I think at the moment there's still quite a lot of public empathy, but it does seem like this is going to be going on for quite some some time still to come, and things can change. Will would that backlash be against the government, like it was in seventy eight, seventy nine, or could yeah. it be against the Labour Party who yeah, the public still associate with mm. the unions, even if the Labour Party um, might try yeah. and sort of distance yeah. them. Um, 
and I did think also um, there's a there's a comment to come through which I'll I'll bring in in a moment. But um, mm. the interesting thing about Mick Lynch, I mean, the Conservative Party put out an image last week of um, you know Mick Lynch with Keir Starmer in his pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, quite you know, quite a lot of my friends on the left, shall I say, <laughs> were all going, hey, if, if only, you know, <laughs> if, if only this was true. Um, you know, and obviously Labour Party, as you're saying, has been distancing themselves from from the unions. Now, that could be strategic to avoid that backlash, or it could just be political, That you know, the sort of Starmer, tread, the Starmer kind of faction within the Labour Party does see itself as quite arm's length and and then also there's the other issue of course like the rmt isn't a labor affiliated union it it disaffiliated quite some time ago and the teacher unions aren't affiliated to the labor party either so there there's there is that um and i think there's there's reasons for that as well the the mm. unions not affiliating with labor anymore are because new labor isn't a union um party in any shape or form like some of the worst anti-union le legislation has come from labor as well so obviously that image changed a bit with uh, jeremy corbyn um but uh, when we think about uh, Keir Starmer's approach, it has actually been fairly anti-strike in the sense that mm. he said, obviously, a few months ago, any Labour minister or shadow minister who goes on the picket line will lose their position. Yeah. And so some, some tarried it, didn't he? Yeah, mm. yeah well, I was quite mm. surprised to see that he has been quite sympathetic, not necessarily sympathetic to the strikes, but he's, to he's towed a clever line in saying that He's he's switching it to blame on the government for failing mm. to talk yes. to them. That's that's the line that he's saying we should talk yeah. with unions, we should talk with nurses and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the Conservative Party uh, have made a huge error um, mm. in thinking that they were going to have public opinion behind them and deciding to be more aggressive to reduce the strike. So when we're thinking about this, it's talks about pressure groups, but also it's a good example for uh, the power of the prime minister. Mm as well as um, democracy in the sense yeah. that the right to strike is an important value um, in holding the government to account. And the government's just passed uh, the minimum yeah. service. But well, it's not it's not passed yet, but it, mm. it's on its way yeah, to passing it's it's its reading mm. with a 60 mm. majority. So this is interesting because the argument is that there are essential workers. So hospitals and things like that so they need to have a minimum service um in order to make sure that people don't die from strikes but there's like a little bit in that legislation uh which also includes education mm -hmm. um border mm -hmm. workers and things yeah, as well where it's not where it's not life and death i mean also yeah. related to that i mean the unions certainly the health unions and the ambulances and the nurses etc do voluntarily have a minimum um yeah, you know, a minimum service arrangement, yeah. which is often better than what happens Every on a day. non on a non strike day. Yeah. And I think the yeah. government is potentially holding itself into a difficult position by having a minimum requirement because, you know, what about non a non strike day? What's the minimum service requirement on a non strike day for ambulance drivers at the moment? You know, where 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 you know people are waiting very long time for ambulances yeah. and things so it's an it's an interesting one luna has written sorry we'll get to you now luna yeah. so as a student as much as i recognize there's been a lot of lesson time lost to pandemic strikes are necessary when our teachers are slowly burning out and will affect more or more us more in the future yeah yeah that's, that's an interesting but not point. And I think, more. yeah 
And I think that reflects, as I think you're both saying, that there is still quite a lot of public opinion from, I hate the term service users, but I'm trying to use the term to mean a wide range of people, obviously. (laughs) Students and pupils are not service users and neither are patients or passengers, but if we group them all together, something like that. Um, Yeah, there's still quite a lot of sympathy. Although your point about they've making made us huge huge error by being tough, you know we don't know yet, do we? I suppose in a couple of months' time it might seem like it wasn't an error. I don't know. We'll, it's we'll like the policing bill as well, mm, just yeah. as bad yeah. for democracy, but yeah. it's kind mm, of just weird, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, some of the detail apparently in this minimum service um, law is soon today repeated that it's only what they have in France and Italy and Spain. Mm. But what he didn't say was that the power invested on minimum service is not going to be discussed with the unions and it's not going to be a brokered deal, a negotiated deal, an agreement. The power is going to be invested in the business mm-hmm. secretary. Now, as the business secretary is currently Grant Shapps, who goes under various aliases, um, you think, well, why is there much power? And it's, it's not the same as, as France, Spain, Italy. It is, again, a method by which this government appears to be taking greater control and as, as I love this term, mm. as Kira alluded to, is again, it's a diminution of, of what we would think is our democratic rights mm. to be able to strike, et cetera, et cetera. Rather like our right to protest is being mm. taken away by the policing bill because it's up to the, yeah. the government stroke police to decide whether we're too noisy or not. Yeah, Aisha, <laughs> makes, a, yeah. Aisha makes a very good point here about, um, you know, if a lot of learning is missed, yeah. if it ends yeah. up being you know, several days of strike action, then that does have a big impact on people sitting their exams. Um, And, you know, in all the other areas that we're talking about, it does, does too, doesn't it? You know, there's going to be higher education strikes, uh, you know, if people's operations get put back and and don't know when they're going to happen and things, it has a big impact on people. You know, obviously from the union perspective, you know, they're aware that it has a big impact on people. It's just where does the blame lie? It's a place of last resort, though, isn't it? It is Mm. the final resort of totally knackered, fed up, wearied. Teachers, nurses, ambulance, they're saying since 2010, Mm. are somewhere, depending on where you are on the scale level, between 15 and 20 percent, where you would be if wages had had stayed Mm. commiserate with with inflation. Mm. And it's not just the money, is it? It's the working conditions Mm. and the expectations and you still get people ringing in uh, LBC phone and saying, oh, I'd love to be a teacher. They start at nine, they finish <laughs> at 3.30 and they have six yeah. summer holiday. And yet, strange, and yet, strangely, they haven't applied for the job. But it's, it, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, despite despite it's uh, being such a dust. But, um, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, um, you know, where from... You know, all the it's important for the unions to maintain public support. Um, yeah. It's also, you know, it would be it would be pointless striking in a way that didn't have any negative impact because yeah. no one would no one would care if they went yeah. if they went on strike during mm-hmm. the half term holiday or, or 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 whatever. Then then you know, yeah. the same February the, February the first could be the, the critical date mm. because even though they're not trying to call a general strike or a national strike. There are quite a lot of unions off on the same day. A great idea of coordination around that particular day. Yeah. Um, 
when I was met, I was yeah, meant yeah. to be travelling to London that day. I'm not now. So there you, there you go. So it does, it does. Yeah, there are impacts for everybody, impacts. aren't there? Um, and you know, and it, it's 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 very it's very interesting um, where it will go, whether um, people will generally associate the Conservative government with this. Obviously, the Conservatives are doing badly in the polls at the moment. Um, and that's partly certainly relating to the cost of living crisis. And obviously this is a, this is yeah. a sort of add on, you know, a, a symptom of the cost of living crisis in a way, isn't it? Um, I don't know whether, sorry, there's one interesting parallel from my mm. generation. I can, I can remember the 78, 79, I think in March 79, Sonny Jim Callaghan, the then Labour Prime Minister, had taken a week off. I think it was Barbados. And he arrived back in a snowy Heathrow airport. And as he came down off the you know, BOAC plane, wherever it was at the time, he was asked, you, know, you return to a crisis. And he says, crisis, what crisis? Crisis, yeah. Which became a, a, a famous mm. headline. Uh, <laughs> but that was, that was March 79 and the election was May 79. Mm. And I kind of think Sunak is saying, no real crisis here, not on my watch. And yeah. I wonder if this was 12 months further down the line, with an election a bit closer, mm. w would the government be a bit more uh, proactive in meeting the unions and allowing pay to be part of the discussion? Because yeah. their, their, their get-out clauses, we've been to an ind independent pay review. Mm. Yes. And anyone who knows what a pay review is, is, is not independent. <laughs> the government no. appoint it, and the government mm. give them the remit. Yeah. So it's not independent by any stretch no. of the imagination. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of the pay offers that there are um, tend to come with, you know, like, for example, with the rails, you know, it's like you can, there's this offer, but also that's going to have these various reforms, some of which will have an impact on, on, on jobs, etc., um, which yeah. doesn't come from the pay body, does it? So, they, you know, the yeah. government and employers are involved in these discussions, really, so there ought to just be a, a proper negotiation there i've gone off the fence now i feel i was i was i was <laughs> i was i was keeping yeah, yeah. A, i was keeping a studiously a neutral position throughout there and then i i, I, I impartiality I, moss <laughs> <laughs> yeah um shall we because we've sort of touched on the impact that this might have on the conservative and the labor party shall we talk a little bit more about the parties but away from the strikes um i think the original reason for this headline being there was some of the issues relating to the Conservative Party at the moment and issues relating to, for example, um, some other brave men and um, I think, was it Nadim Zahawi and um, yep. other issues. But I wondered whether actually we might start with the Labour Party just to um, yeah. think about them a little bit first and then I'll let Clive, I'll, <laughs> I'll light the blue touch paper and let Clive go on the, uh, on the Tories. But um, I was just wondering... Um, Very nice Tories, but not many. <laughs> um the uh there i mean there are a lot of issues at the moment um with the labor party actually even though they're riding high in the polls um you know i keep mentioning and it's starting to come slightly closer to being a head to a head the the problem of islington north um and who would who will be the labor candidate at islington north at the next general election if the current MP chooses not to retire, and he doesn't seem to be showing any particular mm. interest in retiring um, at the moment. Um, and obviously that's a, 
that's a um you know that that's one aspect of actually a much bigger issue you know that's about one one individual but there is the bigger issue about the fact that between 2015 and 2019 the Labour Party moved quite significantly to the left there were lots of new members lots of um you know policies that wouldn't have been in a the 2010 or 2015 manifestos and certainly not the 97 or 2001 manifestos um and a lot of those people are still there quite a lot of them have been expelled or, or suspended or whatever and that, that's another another issue but a lot of them are still there they're still councillors um quite a few have been prevented from being Labour candidates um sometimes for reasons that they would suggest were quite petty or spurious or or or, or whatever um and so there is this underlying argument um that at some point is going to be, you know break the public consciousness a bit more than it currently is um there's all the issues about the reports that there were various reports within the labor party there was the obviously there was the ehrc report a couple of years ago uh, in relation to anti-semitism but then there was the ford report which was more about the sort of factionalism and um there is this kind of a uh, tumultuous thing under the surface you know there's i wouldn't necessarily say keir starmer was gliding along like a swan but as far as the polls were concerned he's like sort of <laughs> gliding along like a swan but the you know when we look at the legs um under the water there's there's quite a lot of um I'm mixing this metaphor dreadfully, but there's there's quite quite a lot of um, uh, concerns within the party. I mean, look at, for example, their responses to issues relating to the to healthcare, um, where streeting, um, mm. yes, is yeah. making quite a lot of statements that you know are perfectly in line with the sort of new Labour approach to healthcare, which is bringing in more um, private capacity and getting private companies to do some of the services and um yeah kind of public private partnership which is very much the buzzword of of the new labor era but was mm. but was very much um you know seen as the enemy in the 2015 to 2019 and a bit before that even under ed Miliband, that was that was out of out of favor and there was a lot of talk about sort of renationalizing the nhs that's that's seems to have gone um and and that's obviously controversial um Ayesha, Ayesha has mentioned about yeah. the house of lords and there's big yeah, debates I think there we, uh, yeah he didn't watch our debate duncan or he did watch oh, she, our debate she, yeah, yeah i think he clearly should. i mean uh keir starmer not Ayesha. oh sorry keir starmer sorry <laughs> sorry it's shocking like it's a. Uh, it, it kind of it feels like um labor kind of have an open goal here because the conservatives obviously are performing quite badly but he's quite strong on not wanting to be the <laughs> other choice just because the conservatives are bad he wants people to actively choose labor so he's putting out quite a lot of um interesting ideas for it and one is that the elected house of lords something but is a lot he, of people so they don't go on Sorry, you finish your point. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's saying much really, but, <laughs> but, but, but he, no, finish. He did, he did put forward the mm. idea of it. So obviously, mm. House of Lords reform was a big thing of the new Labour government under Blair. Mm. Um, but I think there was more of an appetite for it then, mm. and it just is one of those things that doesn't 
really it's just something that you can get criticized for so it just mm. makes kind of no sense to to bring it up um mm. so i it think that's interesting it doesn't seem terribly important at the time of um you know cost of living crisis and all that kind of thing but even within that he you know it was it was kind of spun as being they wanted to abolish the house of lords that it was significant reform I'm, I'm not quite sure they've said definitely they wanted to be fully elected or certainly fully directly elected i mean they may maybe they've said that but it seems to have got watered down into a sort of some sort of reform you've got peter mandelson who as far as i know still got quite as you know still you know got keir starmer's ear and has a has a um a, you know a, an advisory type of role saying that this is absolutely the wrong priority and they shouldn't shouldn't be doing this and um so you know even on something you know relatively innocuous because nobody thinks the house of lords as it currently stands is right mm. i think you know pretty much everybody thinks it you know something needs to happen to it because it's no one would have no one would have designed it to be like this even if you don't want it to be elected or whatever you know it still seems to be this sort of messy kind of factional fight even over even over that um and I don't know. I mean, yes, so they've said yes, they have said some things about, say, healthcare, but it all seems a bit incoherent. I mean, this stuff about self-referral, and you know, when Keir Starmer was asked about it, he said, "Well, maybe if you've got internal bleeding, you could, you could, have, you could test yourself and refer yourself to a specialist." I mean, I, I don't know what he was talking about. It was a really weird thing to say. Um, I think if he was, you know. A previous Labour leader or um, an unpopular government minister, he would be being lambasted about mm. that interview significantly. I mean, if, if that interview had been Diane Abbott when she was um, a health spokesperson, yeah. I suspect we'd never hear the end of it. Um, mm. Sorry, there's a, maybe a comment about press bias there, but uh, but um, but you know, it's kind of been no, well, that's not quite what you meant, or whatever. But um, you know, I'm I'm not sure things are as sort of plain sailing for Labour at the moment as as it appears. I think they're very fortunate that the Conservative Party are sort of, as as I'm so sure we'll come on to now, are, are having a bad time. You know, public. You know, in terms of public opinion and how they're coming across. And I think, um, you know, from my perspective, I think if the Labour Party were having their current run against a more popular government. I think they'd be having, you know, quite a bad time of it. I'd even go as far as to say that if it were Boris <laughs> rather than Rishi, I suspect, you know, the polls would be about more or less neck and neck. There's my mm. there's my controversial <laughs> statement. But um, if I'll hand back to Clive, a big Boris fan. Um, <laughs> but he kind of, you know, in terms of an exam link then, and what, yeah. how do people yes. vote, why do they vote? People, mm. I almost feel now, are voting for, on a negative reason mm. that they dislike mm. the Conservative government mm. not as much as, or, or sorry, they, they, they think a Labour government would not be as bad as a Conservative government. No. But a Labour government aren't necessarily, or the Labour government potentially in waiting, aren't necessarily really attracting any new voters no. uh, as such. It, it's just, I don't know, it, it's, and our voting system, of course, doesn't help that one iota because. You are ended up with a a, a choice of two by and large, unless you I live think, in Scotland. Yeah, I think there is another issue that, and it uh, doesn't matter at the moment because they're so far ahead in the polls. But Labour are possibly slightly muddled in terms of their strategy at the moment because it's all been about winning back the Red Wall, yeah, which has sort of pushed them down a route of being probably more socially conservative than 
probably a Keir Starmer's instinct or quite a lot of the front benches instinct perhaps and perhaps particularly on the issue of Brexit and you know are we going to make Brexit work and, and that that aspect um and again it doesn't matter at the moment no none of this matters because the Tories are imploding but you know I think you know it would it would be interesting to see what impact a Tory recovery would have if such a yeah. thing were to happen, but I'm not sure it will. Anyway, sorry, that was... Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of you know, the current Conservative uh, and the relatively short premiership thus far of Mr Sunak, <laughs> then then he came up with these, with these, these five pledges, uh, most of which, I mean, it's a bit like me when I used to have to do my annual review and I was asked to give my three targets for the following year. I mean, I made sure that most of the targets I'd already done to make my life, <laughs> my life yeah. a lot you know, more straightforward. And yeah. things like halving inflation. Well, halving inflation from 10-11% to 5.5%. I think the you know, Office of um, Responsibility had already said that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. And there were a couple of other things there. We think, well, actually, you're not setting yourself a very, very high bar no. in, in terms mm. of, of, mm. of achievement. Uh I understand inflation went down marginally today, but that's because petrol prices have gone down. Mm. But most people mm. who are buying dairy produce and bread, apparently that's mm. still yeah. rocketing up. So cost of living crisis, major problem for the Conservative Party, mm. which isn't mm. going to go away. Obviously, pressure on the health service is immense, not going to go away. As already discussed, the winter of discontent isn't going away, and I suspect will get, get worse. Unlike Duncan, I managed to survive most of Prime Minister's question time today. Couldn't, I couldn't and imagine. I, and, and you kind of take a glance along the, the Conservative front bench and you think, would I buy a car from them? And the answer is probably, <laughs> no, I probably wouldn't. Uh, Dominic Rath, still there. I've got no idea what's happened to this, all the bullying claims against him. Mm-hmm. But I assume they're, they're still there waiting. So hello, Braverman. Um, most offensive comments about Holocaust victims, which mm-hmm. hasn't really been reported in the papers. Alistair Jack there, which Kira may get onto a bit later, and, and comments made regarding Scotland's uh, and devolution mm-hmm. and, and various gender issues, not gender issues, gender rights. And of course, missing was the very short period of chance that, oh, good old Sadim, um, whatever. And he suddenly coughed up three million pounds, apparently, in missing tax, which he denied <laughs> having in the first place. So, the Conservative Party, well, I think yeah. they're very fortunate to have the the mass media, by and large, on their side. And the BBC, mm-hmm. whose current director donated four hundred thousand pounds to the Conservative Party, appears to be extremely kind to to how some of this is being reported. So there you go. That's my rant. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the the tax issue. I think the the Nadim Zahavi tax issue is very interesting because you know I think that would have um, you know again you know other politicians you know other times this would have been a much bigger story than it appears to be at the moment. I mean, maybe it will. I think know. it's brewing. I think it's brewing. I yeah, think it's, it's I, I agree. I agree. I think it is as well. Um, before we move on to. Um, devolution because we have got that as a, a story as well and i've noticed jay in the comments has asked a question yeah. about that so we'll we'll uh, link that to devolution when we talk about that um 
I mean, I think you asked us before we came on air, Clive, what sort of a conservative yeah. Rishi Sunak was. And and I think it's a really interesting question because I think also, as you were saying, looking across the front bench, there are quite a few different faces mm. there and possibly quite a few different types of conservative, maybe. Um, I'm not sure they're all, you know, quite the same sort of branch of conservatives mm. i mean we kind of lost the sort of what we might think of as the wets which i suppose are the traditional one nation conservatives were the, the, during the thatcher era were known as the wets they kind yeah. of all went before the 2019 election and then um mm. boris johnson had a sort of bonfire of the wets and yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense um yeah. in, even yeah. though at one time he would have probably see, been seen as one of them himself mm-hmm. i mean back when he was um mayor of london he was very much a you know on the liberal end of the conservative party um but they 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 pretty much all went um but you do seem to have quite different views obviously there was the liz truss uh, you know that brief period of (laughs) um which was a kind of more radical neoliberalism i suppose wasn't it yeah it was all about cutting taxes and and uh, etc um and there there are obviously still people in the Conservative Party who are very much from that angle. Things, quite a few of the newer MPs and the sort of red wall people, I I struggle to think where, quite what how I'd describe their conservatism. A lot of them had previously perhaps been UKIP supporters mm-hmm. or, um, you know, had come from outside the Conservative Party's main traditions. Um kind of very socially conservative um with perhaps what we might term sort of populist perspectives on sort of culture war issues which i don't i I don't know quite how we sort of tie that into conservatism um but i get the impression there are quite a few people towards the top of the conservative party who see those sorts of issues as being effective wedge issues in election Mm. the polls don't seem to suggest that they're necessarily right about this but the issues about immigration um yeah. refugees gender um uh diversity you know so-called woke <laughs> woke stuff um you know that 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 there is they think there's like a kind of angry silent majority who <laughs> you know hate Prince Harry and love Jeremy Clarkson, for, for example, to get us onto those, <laughs> those sorts of um, issues, who, uh, um, you know, who will eventually come and yeah, storm a Conservative Party with the right leader into, back into power. And possibly that leader isn't Rishi Sunak, and therefore yeah. maybe there, yeah. are some, there are some in the Conservative Party who think there needs to be yet another change of leadership before the next election. But, um, yeah, I think... I think it's interesting because um, like when we're thinking about a party, their main aim is to get elected and we're thinking <laughs> about the Conservatives. They're very good mm. at doing that. And yeah. partly because they're quite a pragmatic po- a party anyway, so mm. they will ebb and flow as they need. And it's kind of like in uh, the 1960s, uh, Peter Fryer spoke about, he did an analysis of the um Commonwealth Immigrants Act, which basically banned um, immigration from Commonwealth countries, obviously targeted at people of colour, uh, to the UK. And he said it was that the the racist tail wagged the parliamentary dog. And I think when we're seeing a lot of this kind of 
just to put it under anti-woke um hmm. category um that that's kind of seems to be wagging the dog a, a lot lately hmm. um and it it seems to win votes um and it's hard to evidence it of course mm. but was did that win the votes was, was that influential sorry in the votes because it was kind of the opposite to corbyn in 2019 because mm. he was obviously pushing a different sort of um perspective yeah. forward um and Keir Starmer is adopting some of those ideas as well um and it's it's interesting and, and maybe this goes into the next topic but the, the trans uh, trans rights is very much a controversial issue that MPs or prime or leaders are being interrogated on. <laughs> uh, Liz Truss pretty much straight away she was asked what makes a woman and things like yeah. that. So it, it it does have influence, I think. Yes. Um, again, I suppose what we don't know is to what extent you know because I suppose we are not. Um, average voters although we are voters and we are members of the public i always think this what what do the public think we are the public but you know we're probably not necessarily average but i wonder to what extent this sort of stuff is what drives people to the polls i mean some people say oh maybe it was an impact you know in 2019 but i i think you know sometimes it's a bit more bread and butter than that isn't it so brexit i think was an issue yeah yeah but i think it was more you know, we voted for Brexit, and you know, it's not fair to to you know for politicians to come along and turn, take it away again. Rather than, you know, even though some of the louder voices on you know might have been coming from a sort of racist or you know chauvinistic perspective, you know, I'm not sure whether that's what most people are thinking when they choose to vote. You know, and and sometimes it will be, you know, who will I be better off? under and and yeah. or who do i who do i trust to run the economy and things like that and yeah. and those sorts of issues you know and, and and often that leads you to going with the imperfect um person who's there rather than the untried um uh opponent especially if the oppo untried opponent is offering something fairly radical because then it's like well what if that doesn't work and what if everything goes wrong and what if i'm you know what what if yeah. that yeah. that's bad for me um so you know sometimes the public are probably more pragmatic than the politicians sometimes um and i do wonder to what it, you know maybe the racist parliamentary dog is wagging the tail I, I don't know if that makes if that makes sense but you know i think there is an attempt to kind of stir up a sort of culture war type thing and yeah. i'm not sure people are yeah. entirely being stirred up they seem to be when you're sort of on twitter and things but whether i don't know whether you sort of go on the school run or in the pub or in the supermarket whether that's entirely what's but, but apparently people. i don't know apparently conservative central command have put out very recently the two things which they don't want people to talk about are the impact of brexit I can't imagine why they would want people not to talk about that. <laughs> and and the other one is um, no longer use the term levelling up. A, That's no interesting. One, no mm. one who would have term meant in the first place. Mm. And uh, abundantly, uh, there has not been a great deal no. of but that, up. But that is interesting because mm. I do think that, along with Get Brexit Done, was actually yeah. quite effective in 2019. Oh, yeah. and, yeah. I, and I think people in those, in kind of, 
constituencies where it's sort of mainly provincial towns that hadn't got a lot of investment during the new Labour years and felt a bit left behind. You know, that the language of levelling up, even though it rarely had sort of clear policy meat on those bones, I think the language of levelling up was quite effective and, and, and did, you know, combine with the Brexit issue. Yeah to have quite a big impact in some seats. Duncan, Duncan, there's a great comment there, isn't there, about local elections need to take voter ID. Because again, mm. it'd be quite a curious point a bit earlier about how this current government appeared to be suppressing democracy in, in different ways. Mm. Then yeah. this voter ID one's absolutely huge because yeah. it really targets the 18 to 25s for having far more difficulty, not having to pass a driving license, passport, can't use the... Um, the the oyster card, but over sixty fives can, and <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I think the, the some recent um, opinion polls said that of the eighteen to twenty five demographic group, only three percent were likely to vote Conservatives. Mm. So, mm. if you are at all cynical, and of course I'm clearly not, mm. then you think, well, if only three percent are going to vote for us, let's make it more difficult yeah. for them to mm. actually vote. Yeah. Although and, you can uh, use the over 65 oyster to travel to Ireland as well by boat. That's a fun yeah. fact. It's odd. I don't know why it's seen as legal no. ID, but a child one's not, but that's no, fine. That is strange, isn't it? Um, but the, um, I think there is an interesting thing there about the generational thing as well, isn't there? That, you know, we talk about the culture war. Um, quite a lot of that is gen intergenerational rather than so i think people thought about it as sort of regional or social class and it was all red wall and stuff but a lot of it is generational mm -hmm. as well isn't it and we could see that very much with the age voting mm -hmm. intentions um i'll just notice one here i think ibrahim means probably presidential prime minister pre presidential prime minister rather than imperial presidency because obviously it's it's in the uk but um rishi sunak's anti-strike and anti-trade union rhetoric is an example of Prime Minister taking a sort of almost presidential type role and um, being trying to be quite a mm. dominant figure. Um, I'm not convinced the next election will be between Sunak and Starmer, but we shall. I, I Go, on, then. Go on then. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> Who would it be I'll, though? I'll, I'll, I'll put that. I'll, I'll put so that is, on the. Is Mr. Freeloader himself coming back or? Can't they imagine. I can't imagine he could possibly mean, but I'll um, we'll come back to that in a second. But we did say we were going to talk about no, no, we've talked about them. Uh, we I, did I, say we we're going to talk about devolution. I don't, I don't think Boris will come back because he can't afford to, <laughs> and he might not have a seat. He might not have a seat to come back to. Yeah, well, um, uh, devolution issues. We haven't got very long to talk about this, and we were going to talk about the American speaker as well. I think that one might have to. That one might have to uh, be another time. But later. Um, so, yeah, I think this is this is really important. Um, I think the Scottish National Party have done a terrific job of uh, playing chess with the British uh, government here and uh, is working out quite well. I'll explain that in a sec. So um, essentially what we've seen is uh, Scotland, uh, the Scottish Parliament has passed um, quite, I think, quite a a small piece of legislation really and it's just that it makes it easier to change your gender uh your assigned gender sorry or update your assigned gender on your birth certificate from the age of 16. Mm -hmm. so it's quite just a simple thing it's not anything to do with hormones or or anything like that it's just 
updating your your birth certificate so obviously one of the main things actually that was put forward by rishi sunak was that he was going to be quite um I don't know what I want to say it's tough on trans, but he had a very clear position that he wanted to roll back um, rights for people who are trans. Um, and that is a conservative um, line. And he's got to think about holding together his party. So this act in the Scottish Parliament passed with a strong majority, cross party as well. So it's seen as a legitimate piece of legislation. Of course, though, for Sunak, he's got to think, how can I keep my party united and how can I respond to this? And he's decided to respond in a way which is to um, reject the legislation and say that this will not get uh, royal assent. And that's because it's incompatible with British law. So his point is that if you've changed your birth certificate in Scotland, it won't be recognised in England. And so that jeopardises the the union. Although, of course, in other countries, people can do this and England accept that. So I, I'm not sure where that argument is. Um, but I reckon the language used by Scotland is pretty strong. They've called it a full frontal attack on Scottish independence. And I do think that, I mean, I would like to hope that this is just um, the SNP and the Scottish Parliament being quite progressive uh, with um, gender laws. Uh, but I reckon it's a good piece of political football in the sense that, you know, Sturgeon's had the big thing about trying to have a second, another referendum, a second referendum on Scottish independence. Uh, she has been rejected by the Supreme Court and the Conservative Party. And what this does is it proves that devolution isn't actually sovereignty it's not the same thing and it's the clawing back of uh, parliamentary sovereignty which we haven't seen at all um since devolution as well so it's the first time um a scottish law has been has been blocked by the british uh parliament british government so it's it's so many things it's just such a great example for constitution it's a great example for um devolution and also party politics and mm. why Sunak taking such a risk in in stepping up on this and um, he's got to think about his party in that sense. Yeah. It's interesting that most Labour MPs abstained. I think only 11 Labour MPs voted yes. um, with, with the SNP on, on that. Um, I think most of them, the reasoning would be over the constitutional issue rather than the actual issue if you know what I mean I mean there were clearly some voices on that side of the debate in the in the debate people like Rosie Duffield um, making the argument against the Scottish legislation but I think for the most part it was you know a, a question about whether the whether Parliament should block it on or not or whether the British Parliament should be allowed mm. to block it or not but yeah. it's you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We were talking about the culture wars and the generational wars, <laughs> um, if there is such a thing. Um, and there is perhaps a reluctance to take sides on some of these issues. I mean, they they, they are quite complex issues, and obviously there are arguments on 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 both sides of the argument. Mm. I don't want to um, I don't want to kind of minimise the the actual debate over the issues, but um, you know, it does feel a little bit timid i suppose to decide to you know generally abstain on an on an issue like do, that 
Do you do you think? I, mean, I think um, former Prime Minister Johnson was very good at throwing uh, sort of dis distraction tactics out, <laughs> if, if you like, to conceal some of the other failings. And at a time when the government can be criticised for cost of living, mm. the number of strikes or so on, is by mm. creating a, a, a culture war and from many people's perspectives, targeting people who are perhaps more vulnerable and will find it more difficult to defend themselves is actually mm. attacked by Sunak to try and distract from some of the, the maybe perceived failings in central government. Mm. It could. I mean, that could be a factor. It could be a factor. But I think there is. There is. Yeah. It's it's something that, you know. Some conservative commentators feel very strongly about and and, and comment on at great. Yeah, there was a big speech uh, in Parliament, wasn't there, with a conservative MP um, saying that he really appreciates everything J.K. Rowling has said. Mm. About yes. So, so yeah. they 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 are like many of them. Obviously, do have quite anti-trans perspectives and it's the first time i've really heard conservatives being talking about it as if they care about women it's like you never cared about women and suddenly now <laughs> that, that you was do, which is weird. Trent, wasn't it the mp for stoke on trent yeah. jonathan goulis or sometimes regarded as jonathan clueless who um was very very briefly a, a teacher and he's also yeah, the person who said last week yeah. in parliament that all yeah. teachers were bolsheviks and commies yes yeah so uh no, Perhaps not an opinion, yeah. opinion to be overly valued, but yeah, <laughs> you, you find it very hard. That, I mean, you almost think he must have used parliament, parliamentary privilege to make those sort of statements. Yeah. Mm. But yes, it, it is interesting seeing Conservative MPs saying that they're agreeing with what a quite radical feminist, you know, so, uh, you know, un, unorthodox but radical feminist views mm. on that. That, you know, in, in, so you've got some odd alliances on on the issue, but obviously that's a that's a different matter, I suppose. Although it might come up under yeah. feminism in ideologies potentially. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I mean, Kira is right; it is a huge constitutional issue. But mm -hmm. it also is it's quite interesting how uh, uh, Sunak and others have have used devolution and the Labour Party being in power as, as well to denigrate the the Labour Party and and their running of devolved. Issue yeah, so like Wales and health and stuff, and the, uh, even That's today, funny. Rishi Sunak was saying, "Oh well, it's yeah. even worse in Wales about the ambulance yeah. um, weights and things." Um, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was admitting that it was bad, really, wasn't it? In a way, which yeah, <laughs> perhaps it could have worded it differently, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We've got a comment here. Um, we'll have to stop in a second because we have yeah. gone over a bit. But is Scotland yeah. going to get more power? Um, I suppose the only potential significant change is if there's another, if there is eventually a referendum on independence. I mean, it's almost we've got to kind of devo max max, haven't we? Really, nearly. Yeah. I mean, I suppose there might be the odd thing you could still um, mm. devolve without full independence, but not a lot now. So, um, yeah, and I think that's what's clever about this move is because I feel like they knew that the Conservative Party were going to block it. It's just something that proves that devolution is an independence. Mm. And yeah. I think yeah. mm. this might kind of increase an appetite for that in public opinion within Scotland. And I think that's what they, they want to go for. But yeah. will it be enough to get a yeah. second referendum? Uh, they're yeah. not going to go Braveheart again. So we'll no. see. 
yeah and it you know it is still a divisive issue isn't it even that you know you know and mm. so you know while it may you know probably a lot of the people who would agree probably already back independence or a lot of them will do not not everyone but a lot a lot of people would um and whether it would convert a lot of people to to independents who currently don't support it might do might do a few but um it's yeah i don't know we're not going to get a referendum this side of an election anyway are we so it's um yeah um and in some ways it benefits the smp they're not being one i mean that's another an issue for another another day really but a minor part a minor party's issue you know what is yeah. what's the role of the snp in independence in an independent scotland it can obviously carve out a new role like uh fina gale and fina foil did in ireland um but ultimately their purpose is to get an independent scotland um and if there was one you know do they do they become that part do they become the Conservative Party of Scotland, the 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 uh, the, the 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 Labour Party of Scotland? What quite what quite what is their you know role in an independent Scotland? It's an interesting one for a minor party. What happens when they get their way? Yeah, you know, UKIP died once you got a referent once once we left the EU, didn't they? And it's um, um yeah. you know interesting. But a totally different matter. We haven't got time to talk about America. So what we're going to do is what we usually do before we uh, finish is prediction so we might do this in two weeks time um if we do what might have what do you think what stories do you think we might be discussing then apart from more strikes that one's a that one's a <laughs> that one's a given because we know they're already planned but um what else might we be discussing i mean actually it'll I, be the week of the first of feb won't it so we probably will be discussing yeah, the yeah. coordinated strikes but I, I think the story that we very briefly mentioned about Formula Chancellor Nadine Sahawi and his sudden paying back of an awful lot of tax, I think as much as, I mean, soon you, you would have missed this, Duncan, because you would have given up by now. But soon <laughs> it was, was asked today at the very end of Prime Minister's question time, and he just said it, that it, that has already been dealt with and he, he's answered all questions. I suspect there will be enough elements within the media for him to actually perhaps face face more questions yeah so i think i think we may have a, yet another member of the um conservative government having to resign because i'm not sure mm -hmm. his position will be, will be tenable yeah yeah i was right i was right once <laughs> yeah, no, yeah i think you could well be right again kira what do you think yeah i'm curious to see if this uh anti-strike legislation passes i think that would yeah. be interesting and I assume it will yeah it looks like it will and um if it does does that mean that when the teachers go on strike on the first of february i mean of course the government may negotiate and come to a compromise um and so if the teachers go on strike will they be forced to provide online learning i think that's i think that's going to be quite an interesting one because it will set a a tone for teacher strikes of um forcible yeah. online which would undermine the strike entirely and you'd be a, a fool mm. if you did it in that sense i think some unions i don't know which ones it wouldn't necessarily be the neu but i think some will will choose to choose to you know battle the legislation and be be sued you know put call the buff call the bluff i think on on some of those i i would have thought it's that sort of 
it's that kind of time, isn't it? It's not the sort of time where people will me- meekly agree to stuff at the moment. I can't see, you know, the likes of Mick Lynch saying, oh, well, fair enough, the law's changed. I I, mm. I think there will be perhaps even deliberate attempts to, to enact the law and see what, see how it's, see how it is enforced and what happens. But we we'll, mm-hmm. we shall see. Mm, be interesting. Um, have I got a prediction? I just noticed Aisha's put education reform, and I'm interested what that is. That yeah. a, what we might be talking about in two weeks? What do you want to add to that? Say, so tell us what 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 you what yeah. you're anticipating. Just to give you thinking time, Duncan. The the other mm. thing which the government are trying to pass through at the minute is the removal of about a thousand pieces of EU legislation that we were mm. we were party to, and a lot of that yeah. was do it with workers' rights, such as sick pay and holiday pay and and again for some of us that is a another way by which the current governments are taking away things that we perhaps had regarded as as our rights so we get mm-hmm. a, a, a one by unions yeah exam question about rights and rights in context then there's an awful lot of legislation that is either in process or maybe going going through which would mm-hmm. appear to be taking away some of those rights which we we become accustomed to. Yeah, 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 absolutely. My prediction. Go on. I, d- I don't want to keep predicting the same thing because I'm never right. I, I, I well, I mean, it's it it has come a bit more to a head. He's going to get was, an eighteen percent pay rise. Backdated. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder whether there will have be what has been sort of predicted but hasn't happened up till now something of a standoff between some of the older senior members of the socialist campaign group which is the left-wing mps in the labor party and the leadership probably ostensibly over the jeremy corbyn issue but over some of these other issues as well i you know i think there comes a point when the likes of john mcdonald and diane abbott yeah. Kind of, I, you know, to, I suppose pretty bluntly, have to kind of put up or shut up to a certain extent. They either have to kind of make a bit of a stand and say, say, um, we don't agree with this, or you know, say, oh well, you know, we, he's not our friend anymore. You know, and and so I, I wonder whether um, there might be something of a tussle. I don't know quite what it will look like. Um, mm. I don't see it people resigning the whip or, or whatever, although people might, you know, you you could end up with maybe some whips being withdrawn. Mm. Um, again, I wonder whether to what extent the, uh, the government are, sorry, not the government, I'm jumping the gun there, Keir Starmer's um, <laughs> leadership, are um, kind of counting on the likes of them not not standing again this being the moment for um their retirement um but if not i think they'd quite like to have different candidates in hackney north and hayes and harlington mm. the they're very um safe labor seats um and you know they do want to kind of reshape the plp in their own image at the same time mm. yeah these are these are very big high-profile people and it would be controversial to start deselecting or or yeah, yeah. Su- suspending or withdrawing whips you you can bring mm-hmm. that an old democracy question again though can't mm-hmm. you is, yeah, yeah. is mm-hmm. do, do people get to choose 
the candidates they want to stand in elections, even though members of the local party. Because it, does, it, it, it looks to me want. like Islington North Labour members are not going to get to choose their. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that you can have any candidate. You can have any candidate you like as long as it's not the one you've actually won. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but um, uh, Aisha explained what she meant by education reform. Oh. She said it was oh, sorry, uh, the yeah. maths that we've seen. Yeah. And then um, Luna, yeah. Luna said yeah. exactly what I was thinking. So obviously Sunak wants to increase yeah. the study of maths until yeah. 18 because why not torture children more no I'm joking yeah. um thing is the thing is yeah, the... i i did maths till i was 16 and what 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 difference could another four years make <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Seen, uh, <laughs> 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 um but yeah the issue, the issue with this obviously is uh obviously duncan's did a good job of proving why <laughs> but um it, it's the te- schools are strained and there are not enough math teachers. So let's sure let's just make more math lessons. But I mean, also, of course, if you if you don't get maths at 16, if you don't get a good grade at GCSE, you do it until 18 anyway. So you do. You maybe do. Sunak needs to just uh, start walking to a state school. Or yeah, it is interesting. Around. What does what is he actually talking about? I mean, he's talking about people who, you know, essentially a people who have got you know the you know past their GCSE maths doing further maths so I mean I know you said it's not you've got to do a level maths but mm. is there going to be some sort of thing between GCSE and a level that for people yeah. who don't want to do a level maths and I wouldn't be able to do a level maths but we're just about good enough at maths <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know I would have I mean there's oh, I mean there's a lot to be said there's a lot to be said choice yeah there's yeah, a lot I think to be if, said. if workers have a short, if, sorry, if employers have an, a shortage of workers with skills, mm. maybe they should just train their staff. Yeah, yeah. Like you're supposed, you do have a commitment to the professional you development do. of the people in your your yeah. care, so they they should there, be paying. Yeah, there's a lot to be said to broadening the broadening the curriculum after 16 to a certain extent, mm. and but I mean, interestingly, speaking to a lot of people in higher education, so you know, uh, greater emphasis on literacy after. 16 yeah. might be might make a, a bigger yeah. impact um i would not say it's necessarily more important they're both important aren't they but it does depend what you go on what you're going to go on to do um yeah. anyway there we go i don't know if we've made any good predictions but we've spoken far too long i'm going oh my gosh we've gone very we've gone very over let's stop so <laughs> thank you very much everybody thank you very much you two that was a, a marathon um a marathon part political panel um we didn't even talk about the uh speaker elections in the us um no. another time anyway thank you very much guys see you soon thank you a week is a long time in politics has been brought to you by tutor to you politics for all your a-level politics resources and revision workshops